With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. It was a really cool process, you know, how we set it up and allow our players to vote. The guys that are going to wear the, the C's on their jerseys. First and foremost on the offensive side of the ball, Kirk Cousins. He missed one vote out of our entire football team, and that was on his own ballot. So I think it's there he is, Kevin O'Connell, talking about the uh, the way the team views Captain Kirk, the Kirk Cousins. Now do you see? You call us Cousins haters. Cousins doesn't even have uh, enough belief in himself to vote himself captain. You may you may call it being humble. Judd may call it questioning yourself. Selfless. That's just selfless. It's just great to see. So happy (laughs) to see that a process that has eight captains, I think, per team played out like that. Uh, The opposite of selfless would be what Declan's doing right now, which is dodging out to North Carolina to visit family right before wave two of this snowstorm. I feel like we're behind pace here, by the way. Weren't Uh, we supposed to weren't we supposed to get like a foot of snow overnight? I feel like we're pacing behind the record that they have been talking about. I saw a tweet this morning that said, um, not to disappoint you all, but we're talking more like probably 14 now. See, that's kind of, by the way, AJ Fredrickson in for Declan today. Aren't you guys a little, were you you guys a little disappointed when you saw, oh, that's not going to be like three feet of snow? No. We're going to get, let's just go for it. They hyped it up all week. Just, you know what, just wait until you can tell me, like officially, like this whole thing of, well, the... The forecast or the what? What's it called? What the, the advanced, the way advanced stuff that starts to come in? Like it started last week. Like the models like, could be epic. Yeah, the models. Thank you. You know, until you know what you're talking about, come on. Like th- there's such a vast difference in my opinion between like 20 plus and 14 in the state. I want more certainty. But even last <laughs> night they were saying it was going to be like like at I two know. o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm kind of lumping all the weather guys into into one here and the weather mm-hmm. women. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe there was a couple that were saying, Hey, this is totally not going to be that bad. Uh, but I, I thought about sending something pithy out on Twitter today, just kind of dunking on the meteorologists who were wrong. But then I realized I hit two sixty two and write that down on Mackie and Judd in 2022. So if I'm only hitting on like one in four sports predictions, probably can't dunk on weathermen. What if you came along and sold yourself as the weather man or woman who like, didn't panic ever 
Like I'd when like everyone to see else, that once in a while, yeah. Like when everyone else is like, "This is going to be unbelievable." Twenty inches are in. You're like, you know what? Calm down. We we don't know that. It's going to snow a little bit. It might snow a lot. Either way, you're yeah. going to be fine. Kids should go to school. It's going to be fine. Don't worry. Exactly about it. right. We live exactly in Minnesota. Right. It's going to be fine. Well, and the worst part now is, as uh, Dawn said yesterday or last night, and she's right. Snow days are a thing of the past now. Post pandemic, they just go virtual. Yeah, you don't get to take the whole day off and just watch like Nickelodeon. That was the right. best. Oh my gosh! In my day, it was like happy days reruns laverne and shirley but yeah like like the whole thing now is it's like okay we're going virtual learning no it's a snow day no learning i know it's uh these kids they'll never understand uh the excitement of watching your school scroll by it took like a half hour for all the the alphabet alphabetized schools to scroll by by the way this is purple daily where we talk vikings every single day daily vikings entertainment we just want the vikings to win a super bowl before we die, and the show is presented in part by our friends at TCL, now an official partner of the NFL, one of the world's best-selling consumer electronics brands. They have a new lineup of award-winning TVs, delivering the most entertainment with stunning resolution at an affordable cost. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL and learn more at TCL.com. Um, so yesterday, we gave you a bonus episode sort of talking about what Kevin O'Connell is good at, what he could get better at, just sort of our one-year thoughts on Kevin O'Connell. Let's do the same thing here. For Kwesi Adolfa Mensa, after year one, it's the first time he's ever been a general manager in the NFL with the Vikings last year. And we'll give you the, on a second episode of Purple Daily, we'll give you write that down predictions and an accountability session today. But let's just start out with your, and we'll get into some specific questions here too, but Judd, what are your overall thoughts now that you've been able to observe a full year of Kwesi Adolfa Mensa in the captain's seat? So... I think, unlike O'Connell, and with O'Connell, there are incompletes. So don't get me wrong here. Uh, I think with Kwesi, there's more incompletes because the prime one to me is, and I've actually been trying to look at this more and more in recent uh, days, you know, his first draft. His first draft doesn't look good right now. The more I thought about it and went back through it, you know, that could change. Like, this draft might be terrible. I have no clue. Mm-hmm. But the reality is we are, and and we, we talked about this with, with Thor on our uh, Tuesday show, which, of course, focuses on the draft. And we all agreed, you know, we are so eager now to paint something as good or bad immediately. So, like, draft class, draft class, bust. That's just a bust. Scene stinks, blah, blah, blah. And that all might be accurate, but we don't know that. So I think a lot of people are, are like, well, he had a terrible draft. That's a D. And I'm like, okay, that might be true, but Ed Donatel, who I think O'Connell hired probably more than Quasi, didn't develop players either. So now that Brian Flores is going to come in and be far more of a teacher, is he going to develop scene Asamoah? I mean, he probably will. He'll certainly take a shot at that. So I think Quasi, just as a starting off point, gets a little bit more leeway than O'Connell because there's more unknowns with what he's done. Uh, the thing that obviously Phil stands out as like the A move, the TJ Hawkinson in-season trade yes, was absolutely huge because, as, as I've said before, and I'll stand by this, this team does not win 13 games without that trade. If that trade does not get made, they probably win 10 games, 11 games perhaps, but they don't get up to 13. And, and I mean, hell, I think his first game was the Washington game. Um, which he played a huge role in. So, like, this, there's this whole thing about, well, I mean, you if you're not with a team in training camp, you're never going to be able to help a team in season, right? T.J. Hawkinson stepped into Washington and played an enormous role. And so 
I think if there was one move that really stood out to me as just uh, okay, this is a this is an impressive. It's not a gamble, but it is an interesting ad in season, which we don't see a lot in this league necessarily across the board. That's the thing that I think he gets the most credit for was getting a division rival to trade a really good player who might be good for the long term too, yeah. not just 2022. And so that's the one that stands out to me as being like the the A move. The rest of it, I think it's a lot of wait and see, including down to he and O'Connell, you know, to go to our, our conversation on uh, Tuesday, Phil, he and O'Connell eventually are going to be judged in a huge way on the quarterback. And it's probably yeah. not going to be Kirk. So though so I, I'm just saying I think I think Quazy gets a lot more leeway in his grade until we start to see roster construction uh come along. And right now, I think it's just sort of at the beginning of what his plan is. It's also hard to evaluate Quasi because we had we had heard so many rumblings a year ago that the Wilfs had a set, I guess I don't know if edict is the right word or the Wills really didn't want to go extreme. They wanted to, they wanted a coach and a general manager that were willing to work with Kirk Cousins, unless an incredible trade came across their desk. You know, the, they let Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman go with the thought that the sum of these parts isn't equaling enough, and then if we can bring in new leadership from the front office on down to the coaching staff, that they can take a very similar group of players and go further, and they did, compared to the last couple of years, anyways. You know, they won 13 games and they went to the playoffs. Now they got beat at home by probably the worst team in the NFC bracket, the Giants. So just like judging, it's the same thought that I had yesterday on O'Connell. Just judging in a vacuum of can you elevate what Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman couldn't? And the answer was at least for one year, yes. But now the question becomes, okay, what does this thing look like for the long haul? What's your three-year plan? What's your five-year plan? Um, and so the you know the different categories you would grade a general manager in are your free agent signings, your draft picks, the trades that you make, but then there's also the hires that you make, and and Quasi was clearly very heavily involved along with the Wilfs in hiring Kevin O'Connell. Although there were some rumblings, we had heard credibly behind the scenes that maybe Quasi's number one choice was actually Jim Harbaugh. It's very interesting. Yes. Not that he yes. didn't want Kevin O'Connell. Maybe it was like a one A and a one B, but that. Quasey was, you know, going back to his San Francisco days, very much a Jim Harbaugh guy. Um, so I think if you start to parse apart, okay, how did he do in the measurable categories? But then there's also like these immeasurable things like culture setting and just can you can you can you do the things day to day, making players comfortable, like these things that you don't really see on a draft board or in a free agent, uh, you know, retrospective grade. Mm-hmm. The draft is a huge question mark. I see what he was trying to do, mm-hmm. but it needs to start to come to fruition pretty much immediately in week one. You know, Lewis Seen, Andrew Booth, Ed Ingram, Brian Asamoa, those are the, the four players you drafted in the first three rounds, and you traded back to accumulate capital to draft Seen and to draft those players, right? Those guys basically gave you nothing. Ed Ingram was the only one that played regularly last year, not counting special teams, and he was one of the worst guards in the NFL. Right. So I think you can give him a one-year grace period. Hey, man, some injury, bad luck. Maybe the coordinator fit wasn't right to leverage Asamoa and some of the speed here. A Caleb Evans I would throw into the mix, too, as a guy that they drafted because he's, he's they, they clearly he wanted speed 
athleticism, youth, right? Asamoa, Caleb Evans, Andrew Booth, Lewisine. I totally get it. Uh, but that needs to start to come to fruition week one, week two, week three. On the free agent signings, very interesting group here. So he re-signed Patrick Peterson, who had maybe the best season since like 2018, I want to say. So I would say bringing Patrick Peterson back within that system, as much as that system was kind of a disaster, worked really well. Uh, Harrison Phillips was a good, solid interior defensive lineman last season. Other than that, here are the rest of the free agents. The Quasi ultimately, and there's scouts, and there's other people that make these decisions, and your cap situation leads you to the bargain bin, so I get it. Like, There's some things that were sort of hamstringing the Vikings, but uh, Zadarius Smith I would put in the win category too. Zadarius Smith for the first nine weeks of the season was excellent. Uh, Jesse Davis was brought in to maybe be a starting right guard or at least be a depth guy. Did he... Was he just like on the practice? Like, what happened to Jesse Davis? I don't even remember. He was he traded play. to Pittsburgh, right? Before the season, they just yep. Okay, they just say goodbye at the end of camp. They uh, trade him for a, I think, for a draft pick to Pittsburgh. Johnny Munt, KOC's your guy, guy. Mm-hmm. KOC's guy, Judd's guy. Maybe he helped teach the system to some to some guys. I'm sure, but he he's one of the lowest graded players on the roster. According he did to some things here and there. P- PFF is flawed at times. Jordan Hicks. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that was not. I mean, that was a veteran type of. But you already move. you already had a veteran, like, and I get no, it. You're I not. I get that you aren't necessarily. Well, you signed him before you drafted Asamoa, so I I get it. But right, and and this is this is the fault of a lot of people. But you do wonder how much they got guys that Donatel said would fit his system, only to realize his system was not really flexible and not good. Yeah. And that's uh that's a Quasi and O'Connell problem too. I'm not absolving them. I'm just saying that. A lot of people were stifled, I think. Mm-hmm. A lot of young players were stifled. Austin Schlotman and Chris Reed as just sort of depth offensive linemen. Yep. Kind of in the same bin as Jesse Davis. Yep. Uh, they both wound up having to patchwork start for a month, month and a half at center. So I, I, I don't think there's there's nothing bad about those signings. You need, you need the Schlotmans and the Reeds to just sort of fill out your offensive line. So those are just, okay, decent. Uh, the three cornerbacks he signed in free agency were Chandon Sullivan to be your starting slot corner, and then depth guys Nate Hairston and Ty Smith. Mm-hmm. Didn't really do a, a whole lot there. Uh, he also traded draft capital for Jalen Rager and Justin, is it Justin Blacklock, the defensive lineman? From who the really Texans. didn't do a whole lot. For yeah, and I think he got hurt. Now, the free agent thing is an interesting one because if we are to assume that indeed the Wilf sort of mandated everyone come back, you know, Eric Kendrick is coming back. Um, Patrick Peterson, let's bring him back. Uh, l- let's not release guys. Your free agency options were basically, and this might be the case again, l- limited to probably one decent signing. Harrison Phillips was, I think, considered a pretty big one. I mean, Patrick Peterson's contract was a year deal and not that big a deal. So I do think that the mandate working with what he was allowed to work with too, which is why I didn't agree with it. Now they won 13 games. Um, I would great. I would judge him more on the draft. And all I'm trying to say is I'm not absolving him. In fact, I don't even agree with the process. I don't love trading back. I think he will again now, but I don't love it. Uh, but I do think that the draft you can grade him on. I just think we need to give it more time. I would like to see, Lewis Seen and Asamoah and the cornerbacks, if they can stay on the field, which is an if. 
I would like to see them coached up correctly. And I'm pretty sure that they, on the D.C., whipped yeah. really badly. So that's all I'm saying is when you get to training camp day one and Lewisine has just been buried, something's up with that. Like, you don't take a guy in the first round, a safety? Like, that's not a position where, oh, my God, this guy can't play for three years. We got to coach him up. Yeah. So so I'm just I'm just trying to say in Quasi's case, I think that there's more incompletes. It doesn't mean that I'm impressed. It also do, it also doesn't mean that I think that we can completely pass judgment yet because there are guys from this draft class that could develop. You know, so I, as a as a guy who's been big into baseball analytics throughout my adult life, Moneyball was one of the first books I read cover to cover, I feel like 20 years ago, documenting Billy Bean trying to turn the Oakland A's around after losing, you know, Jason Giambi and Miguel Tejada. And I think sometimes what happens with analytically uh, forward front offices, and that's what the Vikings are very much now, right? I mean, Kwesi, mm-hmm. Kwesi is treating roster, personnel, draft, free agency, everything like commodities, stock trading. That's the background that he comes from. And I love that because I think you do have to have that sort of removed – um, objective viewpoint when it comes to, I mean, this is a chessboard and you're just, you're trying to figure out, you have to take the emotion out of it. And that's, that's the way he approaches it. And I like that, but sometimes you can get caught up in trying to find the hidden gem all the time or do the tricky thing. And I didn't hate the first round trade, but I think if you just sort of rewind it, what pick did they have? Didn't, weren't they drafting like four, was it 14th last year, 14th or 15th or something? No, I thought it was, I thought it was between twelve and fourteen. So twelve, yeah. So so twelve or fourteen. Yeah, they were they had a top fifteen pick. Yep. The mental gymnastics it takes to move back twenty picks, and yeah, you picked up another pick. You know, you you thought that you know rounds two, three, and four were kind of flat in terms of talent, mm-hmm. but you're telling me that there's not twelve or fifteen sort of franchise changing type players, and the Ravens may have gotten one. Notre Dame safety, right. and you wind up drafting a safety. And he was, I just, I think my biggest worry, I like the way that he approaches it. I think in general, if you can have more picks in the first four rounds, you're going to give yourself more of a shot to, to build out a roster. But you also need top end talent. And so I, I just, I don't want him to get too tricky with some of these personnel moves. I don't want him to be looking at Jalen Rager and saying, boy, two years ago, that commodity, that stock was up here. He was the 20th overall pick or whatever he was. Right. The whole league viewed him as a first round talent. Now that stock has fallen, and so we should buy low on that stock so we can ride it back up. And the reality is sometimes in the NFL, Laquan Treadwell, Jalen Rager, there's just dudes that the stock's never gonna go back up. So, you know, it did that trade, you know, they have a punt returner now. But I think they thought Rager was gonna be more than just a punt returner when they made that trade. So stuff like that where yeah, you're buying low on a stock, but are you like, are, are you, is it really going to go up? I just want, I don't want him to be so caught up in this value world that he's giving away draft picks for guys that are never going to amount to anything. So that was pick 12. Um, there you go. They moved back 20 picks. Yeah. yeah. And what I don't like too is, is this. Now, it's why I was actually impressed with the Hawkinson trade, but in the same breath, they made that draft night trade with a division rival and gave them a potentially explosive receiver to take instead of them jumping on that pick and I understand that they think that that's smart but that's what sort of stopped me as far as 
it's not just that you traded the pick. You traded it to a team that you have to play twice a year for a long time, and this guy could. Like, if this – I mean, hell, he caught a touchdown pass in Detroit against the Vikings. And so that's where I think that you have to be careful there. Uh, but in the same breath then, the Hawkinson trade, I absolutely loved. Like, okay, it, it was what? A second-round pick. But it was a second-round pick for a tight end who you can sign long-term now, who, again, can come back and haunt Detroit and actually be the exact type of tight end that you've been trying to find mm-hmm. for a few years. So, like, in both ways, he did the, he did things that I approve of. It's just that once it was, it, was in, it was backwards and once it was the right move. But if I had to give him a grade, and it's not in, incomplete, I would probably give him – because you know, because of the draft, like what we know today, because of the draft and because of how he was sort of hamstrung with with what he could do, I'd give him personnel wise a C plus right now. That's fair. I'd give him a C plus. It's hard to give him anything close to an A, right? Because the yeah. the draft is at best unknown. Correct, and I'm trying. That's where I'm trying to be fair. Mm-hmm. And um, the trades and, he hit on one of the trades. Yeah, but but he probably whiffed. A, I I think. He, I don't know. I don't know if you whiffed on the Rager trade. You know, they they have a good punt returner, but is he? But is he a good punt returner? He muffs punts. Like he he, they have a punt, punt returner. Playoff game. He's muffed three <laughs> punts in the past two playoff games. Two yeah. against Tampa Bay with Philadelphia, and I, he muffed one against. He can't the play in the offense. They literally yeah. like they didn't give him snaps. He had a couple explosive plays, but yeah, he also had a couple wrong routes that led to interceptions. And, and now you're on, on a play. draft pick. That could that could have been capital for you, so yeah, that's where. And and look, if the Wilfs indeed said part of why we want to hire you is because we feel that we can really run this roster back, and that it's it's uh, far superior to what Spielman and Zimmer got from it previously. And and Crazy said, okay, well, for now, that's his his roster so like i can't just absolve him completely and be like yeah. well it probably came for the will so it's not him so i think a c plus is fair right mm-hmm. now for him yeah i want before we get to this mock i want aj you're a huge vikings fan and uh you can find aj aj does all kinds of things for us at score north and 1500 esp and you can find him every once in a while on the taxi squad podcast um what are your general thoughts we did the koc thing yesterday give us let's just like your general thoughts from a fan perspective on the first year of quasi and koc where are you at in terms of Quasi, just staying on the topic, I, I've i been pleased. I think the draft lot, uh, left a lot to be desired just because it's it's so early, I think, to pan out, especially with a lot of the speed bumps that maybe were affected by that draft. But in terms of what I saw other than that, the ability to take a stab and go out and get that big guy in TJ Hawkinson, like, like you mentioned earlier, they don't win some of those games without him. So you're going to have to need a guy like that. Now you can sign him for longer. Um, the Brian Flores hiring, I think, is fantastic because that's that tells not only is he good with like maybe some of the logistics and like the football knowledge, but he's also a salesman because it's hard to take um, or make a guy feel like that gut feeling of turning down a head coaching position to come and be a defensive coordinator you've established that you have a plan for this team, a future for this team, and then it's better for that guy to take a lesser position to come and join you among your ranks and try to, you know, maybe better his career in that sense. So um, I like Quasi. Obviously, the the draft does halter that first year. I think you're spot on. Maybe like I would. I'm a little more positive about him. I would say maybe a B minus rather than a C plus. Yeah. 
Um, the Flores thing, I hadn't like that's another interesting angle in that like, there was a, a a ton of people saw Quasi and Flores yucking it up at the Senior Bowl. Quasi mm-hmm. is a relationship builder. I actually like I kind of like the stuff that he said publicly before like the USA Today article some of the things like he kind of ripped the Rams a little bit even though even though with the, going full Rams worked for the Rams I like that he sort of laid out his thoughts in his own quasi way um and then he just shut it down he basically stopped <laughs> doing media after that but yeah, but like yeah you probably don't land Brian Flores with the condition of your personnel if you're not a great relationship builder and you're not a great salesman not from like a sleazy salesman perspective no, yeah. but not anyone is going to bring Brian Flores in and be like, ha, ah, you want to work with the second worst defense in the league and a bunch of 30 year olds yeah. or a bunch of rookies or second year guys who've never played? You know, come on down. So he, he must have done a hell of a job in KOC selling that job, Judd. Uh, yes. And I, I think, too, the fact that Flores went through his experience with the Dolphins, which was definitely a very bad one. I think Brian Flores is at the point in his life where, where he says, you know what, I'm probably going to get a head coaching job again. Do I really want it to be with Kyler Maria and a very dysfunctional <laughs> Cardinals franchise, which for the most part, they are dysfunctional. So I think it was also helpful to the Vikings that Brian Flores probably thought, I just was, I just work for a complete Looney tune with the Dolphins, right? Yeah. I sort of got <laughs> fired for no good, like like there was no good cause to fire him. He had done a pretty good job. I, I think the last two teams finished above uh, 500. And so I think Brian Flores probably said, you know what? The Vikings, and Phil, we've talked about this a lot. The Vikings, if nothing else, their defense might have sucked, but they have stability. Like this is an attractive place to work. I agree. Like if you go through... A lot of franchises and look at, you know, dysfunction up top. Like the the Vikings have their flaws for sure, but I don't think you look at them and ever think dysfunctional. Yeah. I agree. They've they've been dysfunctional in spurts at times yeah. under the Wilf leadership. I mean the love didn't love boat happen right when they bought the team. Yes, oh five. <laughs> and and then I would say two thousand ten was full of dysfunction with moss right but it's not a long-standing but like the wilfs aren't they extinguish it they extinguish dysfunction and stop it in its tracks like you you never look i I think that you feel bad for the vikings i don't think you ever look at them and think what a joke yeah you know what what a complete joke and so i do think that especially now this is an attractive place to work and you know what in kirk's defense too like there's a lot of quarterbacks who you're like ooh. Mm. What's that guy about? Like Kirk is quirky and weird, but Kirk is not a guy. I don't think that anyone looks at and says, oh my God, Kirk Cousins wouldn't touch him with a 10 foot ball. Yeah. I think like the, the issue with Kirk isn't like, is he going to get arrested or is, does he, or, or is he going to play video games when he should be studying film? Does he have a clause in his contract where you basically reward him and say, you have to watch film? Yeah. The issue with Kirk is, as we've talked about a couple times here and there on Purple Daily, is he good enough at the money that he makes for you to build out a roster that can win big, not just get to the playoffs? We should talk about that sometime on the show. No, that's a, that's a topic it. worth exploring in we depth. We never talk about Kirk. <laughs> Kirk Free Week. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. 
For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's get to a really interesting mock here in our mock draft roundup, which every week we give you a handful of mocks, both on Purple Daily and Mackie and Judd. We are, and, and your guy, Tyler Fornis, at Vikings Wire is doing even more. He's literally going through every mock that's ever been mocked and and putting together a spreadsheet and a database of who has the Vikings going where. It's mostly cornerbacks. We've done about 16, 17 of these mock drafts, a uh, handful of wide receiver picks, but it's largely cornerbacks that the uh, the mockosphere has going to the Vikings. Daniel Jeremiah, friend of the show. We should get him on oh, again sometime. He's soon. very good. Yeah, He's got a 2.0 out today. A lot of respect for him. He's not projecting trades in a mock draft this early in the offseason, but he will at some point, he says. It's too early to unleash the trades. Okay, right I'm now. not. No, no. Come on, Danny. Do it. You coward. Do the trades now, DJ, Danny. You sissy. You coward. He's got the Chicago Bears taking Jalen Carter, number one. He's got the Texans taking Bryce Young. Cardinals taking Tyree Wilson. C.J. Stroud of the Colts at four. Yep. Will Anderson Jr. to the Seahawks at five. I'm going to skip around here. Will Levis to the Raiders at seven. Interesting. Uh, first cornerback off the board. Tenth to the Eagles, Devin Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. Guy. Jordan Addison, the first receiver off the board of the Texans at 12. Hmm. Still no fourth quarterback here. Patriots take the second cornerback, Christian Gonzalez at 14. Packers take a tight end, but not the one, not the Notre Dame guy. They take the Utah tight end, Dalton Kincaid, at fifteen. Interesting. See, I think DJ always has some sources too. Like he's yes. his mocks well, are always a little different and probably more realistic when you line them up. Yep. And keep in mind too, it's the last pre combine mock. Next week we'll change the world, the <laughs> yes. football world, in a world where everything <laughs> could change because of what happens in Indianapolis. Joey Porter Jr., the next cornerback off the board of the Commanders at 16. We're skipping here. Anthony Richardson to the Lions at 18. Ooh, okay. I don't think that happens, but. <laughs> Super interesting. And if Anthony Richardson falls and the Vikings like him, if, if he falls like into the mid-teens and the Vikings like him, I could see them swinging something. Bijan Robinson of the Buccaneers at 19. Jackson Smith and the Jigba to the Seahawks at 20. Let's get the other. There's Quentin Johnston. So there's a receiver run here. Mm-hmm. And at 23, according to Daniel Jeremiah, Minnesota Vikings select cornerback out of Maryland, Deontay Banks. I want to mock. mock. Banks man. has good size. I think you'll see his stock rise as the evaluation process unfolds. Yep. This, this cornerback is physical and tough. So Deontay Banks, interesting. The Athletic had him going as well to the Vikings a couple weeks ago. So Thoughts? I kid, but I don't kid. 
Next week is huge because it does start the process of boards being at least altered fairly significantly, right? Uh, because you'll have the workouts. Now, you have to combine that in today's day and age of scouting with the um, with the personal workouts that take place on college campuses. Because I'm not sure how many of these four quarterbacks are actually going to throw. It might be, for all I know at this point, zero. Yeah. But the Richardson, I think the Richardson one between his pro day and the combine, I think that's really going to uh, to indicate if he, let's say, could go 16 or 17 or if he goes top 10. Yeah. So interesting. I think Richardson's the type of guy, especially if he doesn't throw at the combine, the less he can throw because the throwing is the thing that they're going to pick apart. But it's yeah, also the thing that the teams feel like they can maybe fix like Josh Allen. If he does everything but the throwing, his stock will probably rise, I would think, because he's just going to show out athletically. How much does Josh Allen, in your mind, change the thought process about this too? Because, you know, I, I go back to the Ponder draft, which was the same type of draft. In, it had four or five potential first-round quarterbacks. And that's the one where going into that year, like like going into the previous season, I think in most mocks, Jake Locker was mocked the top pick. Right. But then there were concerns about accuracy, which got worse and worse. And by the time the draft came around, I think he went something like eight to, to the Titans. And that was a concern throughout a career in which he was not successful. Josh Allen, same same sort of concerns, right? And he came into the league inaccurate. Yes. And they, I don't know, they completely fixed it, but it certainly got fixed to a large degree. How much do you think Richardson's stock will be altered by that story? So this is, I'm going to answer this in kind of a, I, th- I think, I do think it, it helps Richardson, but this is where I actually love the way Quasi thinks about stocks and commodities. And I think this is where a lot of media and fans get it wrong. They, you know, they think about quarterbacks as either you're either going to be a bust or not. It's like a very black and white way of viewing it, right? Christian Ponder was a bust. Well, Yes. The bigger crime with Christian Ponder is that his upside was also capped. He wasn't like a bit, he wasn't a big time leader. He wasn't a big time college quarterback. He was a solid college quarterback. He was a safe pick. He was like Mitch Trubisky, basically. Where, okay, if he pans out, he can just be a good solid quarterback for you. Yep. But there was no there was no chance of a Christian Ponder, or even quite frankly, a Teddy Bridgewater, just based on his arm limitations, ever being like a top five quarterback in the NFL. So you were you were trying to find a young quarterback on a rookie deal that could run your offense and be a starter. But with both those picks, they weren't when the when the Vikings drafted Dante Culpepper, there were a lot of questions about okay, the competition he faced, uh to what extent can he read defenses, et cetera. He got to sit behind um I guess it was was it Cunningham? He said Cunningham and Jeff George Jeff he sat George. behind two thousand in nineteen ninety nine. Right. But the but if they could you know, get him to where he needed to be. He had a chance with his upside to be a top five quarterback. And he was for like a couple of years. That's what Denny saw. You're right. If I told you with Anthony Richardson, okay, there is a 50% chance that this dude is a total bust, like flames out in two or three years. And it's just a bounce around backup 50% chance, but there's a 30% chance He's a star, like a Josh Allen, game-changing, franchise-changing star. Mm-hmm. And a 20% chance he's somewhere in between where he's playable, he's, he's a good, solid quarterback, but like he's a, uh, a Daniel Jones with a bigger arm and more athleticism 
but a guy that you might not want to pay $40 million to on the second contract. Would you swallow the 50% risk that he's a bust for the 30% chance that he could change your entire franchise on a rookie contract for five years? That's how they think it. That's how Quasey thinks about and, this. And so to add to that, because I completely agree with the scenario you just painted, the most important thing is this. And it's not a you pride yourself on this. It's an actual step back, and you have to ask yourself this question. How well does your room read the person? Because to your Ponder point, if Christian Ponder, who is incredibly book smart, but if you had sat down with Ponder, Phil, for a day, I think you would have come away and said, nice guy, very, very intelligent, not really an alpha, though. Mm -hmm. Like, that was very clear. Um, and so I think that this, I think what you get into here and teams try and pride themselves on this, but I think a lot fall woefully short and we don't know this Anthony Richardson's character and what is he like? And this is where you have to talk to people. And this is where, who was the receiver? Was it Blackman? There, there was a receiver, Justin, Justin yes, Blackman, who somebody who some team put a former FBI tail on an agent to go and watch what he did and watch who he interacted with. And he found out that he would go to bars and drink. And they're like, mm -hmm. okay, that's it. We're done. This is so, so I guess I would take that chance if my correspondence on Richardson came back with this guy wants to be great. Yeah. If it comes back with nice guy, real yes. nice guy, I'd be like, okay, that's great. He can go be a nice guy at his house. Yep. No, it's uh, it's, and again, if, if, if there's another quarterback out there that has a, 50 to 60% chance of being a solid guy that can just kind of man the franchise, but a 10% chance of ever actually being like Kenny Pickett. Is Kenny Pickett ever going to be a franchise changing quarterback? You know, probably not. I am, I am more interested if, if the Vikings are going to move off cousins in the next two years, I am interested in a franchise changing shot, yeah. even if it's not like a 90% chance of panning out. My Take a gamble. My opinion of athletes is this. Mechanics can be worked with and changed. Personalities cannot. Yeah, I agree with that. You're not going to change a person's fundamental brain chemistry and makeup. Yep. Amen. Uh, a shout out to our friends, by the way, at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. They're not going to necessarily come in and change the you know the DNA of your business, but they can definitely help maximize the level of success that your business experiences through risk management tools and resources. Um, they've been around for over a hundred years. It's like having a great offensive line, protecting your business, a great guiding hand with all sorts of experience. Find out more at federatedinsurance.com or it's our business to protect yours. Thanks for AJ filling in for Declan here the rest of the week. I do believe that De Declan was texting me from the airport. Uh, my wife is flying out of town as well for a business trip. People are flying out of the airport today. I don't know if they're ever going to come back, though, based on what they're telling they us. They are leaving, the next couple though. Days. He, he they sure are does know how to pick you... his days off. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you remember the last time I filled him for him for a couple days. It was the NFL free agency week, just out of nowhere. Just... Yeah, we told him, don't, don't yeah, take that, that was week bad, off. That was a really bad idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like he always Was there a blizzard his... that week, too? No, that was like springtime or summertime. No, but, he oh, okay. but the, the problem with Dex is he books his flights and then looks at schedules. Yeah. I like sports. <laughs> it's like, no. Oh, sorry. The, the, uh, <laughs> the Vikings and Packers are playing on a Monday, but I'm going to be yeah. in Vegas getting drunk. <laughs> See you guys on Tuesday. Uh, all right. That's a wrap. Purple Daily, a little bonus episode for you guys today. Be sure to check out the Write That Down episodes on Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily. We'll see you tomorrow.